Dr. Homebrew is brought to you by Five Star Chemicals, providing safety and cleaning supplies for brewing, distilling, and winemaking at fivestarchemicals.com. Dr. Luck. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. Yes, we were. Minneapolis, Minnesota. And now it's some strange celebration like the 6-0 of Julio in uh, downtown Concord here. Like there's insanity downtown. It's crazy. Well, it's all for us coming back to the studio. There. We're reunited with Keith here. Celebrating their turn. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wondered all the music, like what's going on. And I'm like, man, it's all, it's all for me. And there's <laughs> line, people just lined up outside the hop grenade uh, just waiting to meet me and, and shake my hand. So it was... Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. Um, so not that anybody has heard these shows because they haven't been edited and put up yet. I just got them yesterday. <laughs> oh, um, but you know, hey, man, that's kind of what happened. So I have um, to say, we were a little outside of our element there. We were limited to. It was you know, tough. Like three headphones and and. Yeah, we had to share a mic half the time. and It was tough. I'm not going to lie, man. I, I was definitely out of my element. I forgot that we do two breaks, not one. We forgot that we had sponsors. We forgot we had to drink <laughs> beer and taste it and rate I, it. I assume you guys weren't drinking before the show at all, right? We were probably we drinking before the show. It was uh, it was weird, man. It was the first time I have had to like uh, drive a, a live show like that. I've always just been on uh, either during the session or bring the style or something like that in front of in front of a crowd. Never just kind of drive it. And I just I, I thought, oh, it'll be fine. And then I'm like, fuck! I have no live reads. I have no commercial breaks. I have no anything. I, I we didn't talk about any of this stuff before we came out here. Yeah. So it was a little it was a little weird, but uh, we did it. And uh, we fought, it was great. We battled against the karaoke people. <laughs> My God, these people have friggin' karaoke going on. It's like, what are you... First of all, look, you go to a karaoke bar to hear karaoke. You don't go That's to, what I do. You don't go walking on the street, and you're, you're assuming you're never going to be assaulted with karaoke. Yeah. Ever. And then you were basically forced to listen to people singing terribly. Um, and yeah, I mean, dumb. sometimes at a random house party, but, you know, you would expect Homebrew Con would have higher standards. Uh, it, you would think your your but. cousin's house party. It happened up in uh, what was it? The well, I can't even remember the name of the, of the event right now. But um, the oh, hang on a second. You guys keep talking. Out. I have to start the live stream. The, oh. the 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 camp out sort of thing. They were doing karaoke at a number of booths there. Oh, at well. uh, NCHF. Yeah, NCHF. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it seems to be spreading, and that's not necessarily a good thing. I like karaoke. I will. Sing karaoke occasionally at our, at our neighborhood dive bar, but I wouldn't write it on a comment form for a homebrew festival. Yeah, like, must have more karaoke. I don't know. It's, it might just be I, me. I, I don't know. For me, somehow at, at a homebrew festival uh, or a you know con or whatever the heck that that is, I think there's probably <laughs> enough other things going on Expo. that you don't need to entertain yourself with karaoke as well. Right. You can entertain yourself just with the great beer that you're drinking, then yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's uh, maybe you should get out of beer and look into uh, 
into something else. <laughs> Maybe you should. World. Maybe I'm just mad I didn't get to go and uh, uh, just wish I were doing karaoke. Yeah, I would not. No. Um, but uh, before we get too far afield, I want to thank our partner and sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. Go to fivestarchemicals.com. Learn about everything that you need to do to make great homebrew. Um, clean it and sanitize it, essentially, is what you're doing. But uh, they will teach you how to do it. They will have the uh, the right chemicals and, uh, and, and procedures. To um, to make sure that it happens, they were at HomebrewCon as well. I'm disappointed I never got to go by their booth, um, <laughs> but uh, I saw them walking around and said hi to them real fast one day. And uh, good people, yeah, good people, very nice people. I hope, I sincerely hope that some people went up and got them beers like we've asked them to for like three months, because that would make me feel good. Make All of our good. sponsors need beer. All of our sponsors need beer, but in particular, Five Star. In particular, Five Star. Right. Right. They deserve uh, five beers for everyone. <laughs> they do. They absolutely do. Uh, we have a cool show for you guys, and I, I know I say that all the time, but I mean it this time. Most of the time, I, I'm just lying. Um, but we are going to talk to John uh, Birdsong again. He sent in a bunch of other beers, so we're going to drink his beers. And it's a, uh, American Porter with coffee and chocolate added, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And Coffee then, chocolate porter. In the second break, we're going to speak with who are we talking to, Keith? Some uh, guy called Nick. Nick Corona. Why he, do we care about Nick? He won the Homebrewer of the Year, not this year's Homebrew Con, the year before. Ah. Uh, with his uh, German Hefeweizen. Okay. Basically, the, the best to show beer out of the, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of bajillions of entries that get entered in, in uh, Homebrew. And an NHC right, right. Con, he and his wife took now. another award this year uh, at the at, at the uh, AHA uh, NHC National Homebrew Conference. So he had won another award this year as well. So we're going to talk to him some about just you know general feedback, how he uses it, um, how, you know what he what he thinks about the feedback he gets, and how can he, how he can apply it to the beers that he's brewing. Awesome, yeah, I can't wait for that. That'll be cool. And we yeah. also I think maybe lined up for. Uh, Next uh, month, we are going to talk to uh, this year's uh, winner of the uh, Home Brewer of the Year, uh, Zach Coslow. Yes. So that's going to be next month. Look at us, month. man. Uh, we'll be talking to him. Um, we'll see if we get, at some point maybe get some beers in from him, too. That'd be kind of cool to talk yeah. to him over some beers and maybe do the same with Nick in the future as well. I think we would need to get his beers in. Mm-hmm. We need to, yeah. Yeah. We need do some you guys of that hear good beer. that? It's like a phone, like vibrating. It's driving me nuts right now. Hmm. Maybe you're allergic to electromagnetic resonance. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm going crazy. But I just, I want to like tear the studio apart and find it because I, I feel like. <laughs> Have you watched Better, Better Call Saul? <laughs> no, I haven't. Is it worth okay. it? Is there a guy who's crazy good. in there like but this? That, because... that reminds me of a scene. Uh, yeah. Well, I won't go into detail. <laughs> uh, no, but really, HomebrewCon was cool. Doing our live show was cool. And apparently, what again, we were frazzled. Um, our, but, the second show we did there was our 100th show. Well, we don't like to celebrate even numbers so much anyway. So that we're celebrating That's our right. 101st show. So, so today is our 101st show. In uh, honor of California Highway 101. Probably that's exactly why. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, just to be weird. Just to be weird. So I do want to thank everybody for listening to the shows, man. This is our 100. Okay, I'm going to find that. You've survived, you survived 100 shows. And now... You're stuck listening to us talk because JP has a weird sound somewhere in the studio buzzing at him. I can hear it. He can hear it. It's there. I can hear it somewhere. It's real. 
It's like that mosquito in your oh. tent when you're out camping oh my and it's God. like driving you nuts. <laughs> oh, it's just it's just under <laughs> I can't do this. Uh, it's driving me insane. It's not maybe it's not a phone, but it's just this here, just see if you can listen to it. Wait, here it goes. Is it out, oh, it's outside? Yeah. Is it like the outside the band playing? It's a it's pulsing like the bass? sound. Yeah, it's the a, bass, it's the a bass pulsing from, sound. It's just the bass from outside. Um, there you go. It's and like it's, the it's, chanting of the monks. It might be outside, but um, I'm shocked that we can that I can pick it up yeah. in my in my headphones. But you take the the headphones off and you can barely hear it. I don't know. Anyway, I'll, I'll I'll try to get over it. Let's just let's just talk over it. I think it is the bass from the system out there. You think so? Yeah. It would give that. It would like like an electronic hum. Like just that? run out there and yell, say, "Go turn it off!" I can't even deal with it. Okay. Uh, uh, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a break <laughs> real fast. Sanity break. And we're gonna take a sanity break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk to John. We're gonna drink his beer, and we're gonna learn a little bit more about John and what he did to. Uh, craft a coffee chocolate porter and is it a coffee chocolate porter or a chocolate coffee porter these are the important the distinctions coffee, that, yeah. that I need to yeah. know Serenity, uh, serenity now serenity now serenity <laughs> now <laughs> alright everyone it's Dr. Homebrew stay tuned and we'll be right back Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up. You might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Now, back to the examination. Hey, thanks for sticking around, assuming you're still there. With us now, we have John. John, are you there, buddy? I'm here. How you doing, man? 
Hey. Good, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Now, we talked to you a couple months ago, right? We did. All right. How did that go for you? You're still alive, so you clearly well. you, yep. you didn't, yep. you didn't uh, take too much of what we said to heart. He, he rebrewed with no, it was good to have, passion. Good to have the feedback. Good. Good. All right. Well, then we'll forgo all the formalities about how long you've been brewing and blah, blah, blah. And uh, tell me a little bit about this beer. Why Why um, a, a coffee chocolate American porter? So it's the first porter I've made. Um, this is actually brewed back in October. Um, so just kind of getting into different styles and uh, wanted to try that. Wanted to try... Uh, uh, experiment a little bit with the coffee and the uh, cocoa. And, okay. Um, just straight yeah. American ingenuity. You just wanted to figure it out. Just wanted to play with it. <laughs> wanted to try it, yeah. Okay. That works for me, man. Um, well, let's get into this beer. Brian, you want to start us off? Yes, yes. So we got it entered as the 34C, which is the experimental beer co- uh, category. Uh, as a coffee chocolate uh, American porter, category 20A is the base. So, uh, in the nose, I'm getting a you know very rich chocolatey nature to it. There, uh, kind of a light coffee impression, but just a medium light roast coffee, like one of those smoother blends of coffee. Just pretty background in there. Um, and I thought maybe it was a little cold at first, but actually, when I got into it, it's it's warmed up. It's at a good serving temperature. So, you know, sometimes some of those things will hide a little bit, but it you know it was definitely backgroundy. Smooth uh, aroma overall. It's not acrid or burnt in a harsh way at all. It's it's pretty nice, um, smooth, mellow mellow aromas. There's a I got a low floral hop in there. Um, nothing too aggressive. Medium low fruity esters. No DMS or diacetyl. It's, it's cleanly brewed. Uh, lightly sweet. And little hints underneath of some caramel and treacle kind of aromas, which might lean towards maybe the more Englishy side of the porter spectrum. But uh, I thought it was pleasantly balanced for the porter uh, base style. But the specialty ingredients uh, do not stand out as much as hoped. The um, the coffee especially. Um, the medium, uh, the color medium brown, nice clear appearance, low light tan head that fades fairly quickly. Um, Mostly uh, finer bubbles uh, around the, the rim of the glass there. Big, in uh, the flavor, big chocolate comes through in, in the flavor right away. And it's, uh, yeah, I'd be neat to hear how you used your chocolate. But uh, the uh, coffee is, again, just a supporting kind of uh, act. Uh, seems like a cleanly brewed ale. I didn't get any off flavors. Medium low bitterness. Um, I really I like um, the water for this beer. Seemed to be pretty smooth. It wasn't too obviously minerally. Um, you know, no big sulfates or anything poking out there. Low floral hop flavor, balance of the malt definitely, um, and the chocolate is uh, lingering in the aftertaste, well into the aftertaste, and it's uh, maybe a bit high. Um, so in the mouthfeel, it's medium bodied. Hints of um, I felt like I got a hint of some alcohol warmth. I was kind of debating that. It, it's it's soft, but there's a little alcohol there. Um, you know, maybe it's a six or so percenter where you're just getting to the edge of getting a little bit of warmth, but not no heat, no hot warmth. Um, it's slightly creamy, smooth, not astringent at all. No no biting quality to it. Um, medium low carbonation, kind of leaning towards the lower end of, of carbonation spectrum for this beer, I'd say. Overall, it's a pleasant drinking porter. Uh, it's got a good, some nice good portery flavors. <laughs> smooth, uh, very easily drinkable. 
I, I just felt that the balance was too strongly to the chocolate, and that the coffee struggles to compete with that and be be heard. Um, so, like, kind of a more what I you know, well, I prefer the darker coffees too myself, but like, kind of more of something that gives the impression of a medium dark roast playing off of that. All else that's here, I think it's got enough sweetness to support it. It's got plenty of chocolate to to let the uh, the coffee push back a little more against that. And all, um, you know, all else that's here, it would just give it a better balance uh, playing off of it that way. Um, Special ingredients to the base style. You can also push up the CO2 a little bit. It might just be a bottling, you know, variation or a bottling issue. It could be perfectly um, foamy in the keg, but... um, well, as Keith reminded me too, the chocolate could be interfering with the uh, the head retention as well here too. So, it's um, but but it's also just very light in the in the mouthfeel carbonation wise, and I think that some more carbonation could drive some of those more American porter flavors um, that are there. But you know, you can also rethink the way um, I would you know declare it as a, a thirty A could could do better as just a porter with chocolate, like a spice or vegetable beer. Um, you know, whatever kind of porter you decide to name it there. But I just thought it was it was a really good, nicely brewed beer. Just needs some some balancing and to get it uh, more towards what it's declared as. Uh, so I gave it a 35. I thought it was pretty tasty. I could drink a lot of it. Excellent. Keith. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> bottle inspection. It was uh, appropriate. Size cap fill level label removal comments. It, it was a really weird bottle. I, and later on, I would like to ask you where this what this bottle is. Uh, <laughs> it's like a stubby. It looks like one of those uh, ginger beer bottles. Almost. It, yeah. it kind of looks like a Red Hook ESB bottle. Yeah, I forgot they did change those bottles yeah. a long time ago. When I I forgot because I stopped <laughs> drinking it. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, stopped drinking it in the late nineties. Uh, so aroma, I'm getting. I mean, honestly, I think I have a lot of the same comments that Brian has. But let me talk through it here. Really strong cocoa notes. Get a hint of vanilla. Not getting any hops at all. Getting a low nuttiness and just a low toast, low roast. Um, but really, I'm getting the coffee. Really, um, is just really subtle as well. If I'm getting any at all, I'm having a hard time to differentiating between an aroma, the coffee, and the roast. Um, and really, I'm seeing the the cocoa. Uh, chocolate dominate throughout. Very clean. Uh, esters are low. No off. No off aromas at all. Uh, appearance: medium dark brown. Uh, not opaque. Definitely can see through it. Uh, has some hints of red in it. Light, light, light haze to it. Um, very low head. Um, as Brian mentioned, was that is it possibly from the chocolate oils or just low carbonation? Um, the head though was lightly tan. And moving on to flavor, uh, once again, strong chocolate uh, is the you know chocolate is the main the main flavor I'm getting here. Getting a little bit of sweet malt. Um, it's almost chocolate milk reminiscent in, in, in some ways. There's a light graininess. Uh, that was a little bit thin for a porter. Um, probably lower than style uh, in terms of bitterness if you're comparing it to an American porter. Uh, get a little bit of vanilla again, uh, and, and more vanilla actually than I get the coffee. Uh, no hops, very clean again in fermentation, no off flavors, um, balances towards sweet more than hoppy, but still fairly dry. I wouldn't call it cloying. Uh, mouthfeel, medium body, medium low carbonation. Carbonation feels like it's a little bit on the low side for an American porter. Light astringency, uh, could be from the roast, could be from the coffee. Just a really low alcohol warming. Uh, but still there. 
Uh, overall impression, I love the way the chocolate comes across in this beer. I think you did a really great job with fermentation and presenting the chocolate. Uh, I think to improve this, I would consider upping some of the dark malt, some of the specialty malt possibly as well. And, uh, you know, if you want to declare the coffee, you have to taste the coffee. So I would consider either adding more coffee or changing the way uh, you put the coffee in the beer. Um, the way it is right now, I, I still think it's a really good beer. I would consider entering this as, I think Brian mentioned, as a 30A. I would actually call it, though, uh, a chocolate English porter, not a chocolate American porter. I think it fits that style a little bit better with the restrained bitterness, restrained roastiness. I think it fits a little bit better into that that category. I mean, Maybe it doesn't have all the esters you'd expect in an English porter, but uh, I think it, it does does sort of lean toward that more. You could score a little bit higher. I scored at a 31, still a really good score. I think it's still a really enjoyable beer. I just feel like, um, as declared, it kind of misses the mark a little bit. Um, and, and having multiple ingredients, it's a, it's a tough call. Do you want to enter that in 34C? But uh, both coffee and chocolate are technically, I guess, uh, spiced herb vegetables. So I think you can get away with just in a 30A if you wanted to. Um, like I said, once again, I'd go with English in this one. But I'm really impressed, especially, you know, I should be using it now. And this is not knowing this but my, when I judged it, but being that you brewed in October, I think it's holding up quite well. I'm not getting it much oxidation, if any at all, um, in this beer. And that's something that, you know, I usually <laughs> always struggle with is oxidation in a lot of beers. And I thought this was uh, just, you know, you did a really good job of bottling it. And, and you know, yeah, if it was done in October and it's, yeah, yeah. kept the oxygen out since then. <clears throat> And, it, you know, some of the, the, the richer flavors can fade off a little bit and they'll meld together and give more of a, I think, the, the chocolatiness that would survive a little more than, like, the roastiness and the rich even, coffee even the flavors. coffee, yeah, yeah. So that might yeah. be part of it here, too. Was it was it a little more coffee-like to you early on, or are you tasting it with us now? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. definitely. So these are, this is from a keg, so that's probably just uh, the carbonation would be, I'm just bottling from the... From a, a wand, you picnic know, tap. yeah, off sure. of a picnic tap, but uh, yeah. So the keg in the keg in the first couple of months, the coffee was was really strong, mm-hmm. um, and it I noticed it fade over time, even in the keg too. So. Yeah, no, it's it's pleasant. It's still there. It's just it's very faint at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. well, yeah. that'll happen, right? That you can't yep. really. Yeah, the only cure for that is to drink it. Drink faster. it young. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. Well, it's a cure for many things, by the way. Blood of humans, uh, you know, drink them young because right. that's how you maintain <laughs> your good looks. Uh, John, do me a favor, man. Tell me about how you added the coffee and how you added the chocolate and, and, and what you did there. Maybe we can kind of tweak some of that stuff. Yep. Yep. So the the chocolate was cocoa nibs, uh, eight ounces, soaked in vodka for. Not a couple of weeks, a five and then uh, added added in secondary. So, yeah. um, and then fi- the coffee was cold brew coffee added in secondary. Was it a five gallon batch, John? Uh, it was. So it was a ten gallon batch, but uh, I split that and only did the coffee and chocolate in five gallons. So yeah, oh, okay. that would be okay. in yeah. five gallons. How many nibs? I'm sorry, how many ounces? Eight ounces. Eight, eight ounces, yeah, yeah. and then front. and with just enough, uh, and one vanilla bean in there too. Oh, so that's some of the vanilla. Because why not? Um, for and for how long did you age the nibs on there for? Uh, I had it on the vodka for probably three weeks, and then on the on the beer for probably a month and a half. Okay, or so. Yeah, I would say go longer on that on the, mm. on the nibs. Um, you know, you don't need a whole, especially for five gallons. I found like four is pretty good 
for like two months, three months. So even. do fewer nibs and, and longer time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have a decent chocolate like flavor going on. What do you like you to do with coffee, JP? Right? What's well? Let's find out. So you said it was a cold brewed coffee. How many? Uh... Yeah, it was cold brewed coffee. Uh, it was probably about twelve ounces of, of coffee. So you probably up that. Like, and um, actually, I'd probably next time put that straight in the keg. Versus regular the strength, yeah. uh, regular strength coffee, or was it like an espresso strength? Well. Uh, in between. Like double strength, yeah. I guess. Light. Yeah. What was the roast on it? Light, medium, or dark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a it's a medium roast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not bad. Yeah. yeah, it's not bad. For me, I'm getting a very uh, green bell pepper thing, which you can get with kind of lighter roast coffees. You actually, get a darker. Ro- I found you get it from darker roast coffees more than the lighter roast coffees. Mm. I, I mean, I'm actually surprised it's cold brewed. Usually, it's a flavor I'll get if you add the the, the grinds and or the beans directly to the to the mm-hmm. beer. Um, I would suggest changing your roast up. I mean, just try it. I mean, why not? And and see if you can get mm-hmm. it, if you if you can get that to go away in a darker roast. Not like uh, not like a, like a French roast or anything. You don't want that crap in there. But um, mm-hmm. hazelnut hazelnut coffee, pretty much is what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. I've sadly, I've used a peanut butter coffee and a peanut butter porter before. So. Oh wow, you're gross. <laughs> you're... <laughs> it was a really good beer. I'm sure it was. Hi. So when we were talking about um, it being a little thin or needing a little more body, how can we? Uh, oh, actually, John, do you want to go through your uh, your recipe if you have that in front of you? Yep. Okay. Yep, I do. Let's do that. So here's the the ten the ten gallon uh, recipe. Uh, ten pounds of Marisotter, ten pounds of two row. Three pounds of Munich, a pound of Crystal 40, a pound of Crystal 60, uh, a pound of chocolate malt, eight ounces of pale chocolate malt, eight ounces of chocolate wheat, uh, eight ounces of flaked oats, four ounces of black prints, four ounces of roasted barley, and then uh, hops were one ounce of Magnum at 60 minutes and one ounce of Fuggles at uh, 15 minutes. And then the yeast was the 1058. Eight ounces of oats. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, you're not trying to do like an oatmeal stout or anything, but uh, how can yeah. you get the uh, body up on this thing, guys? And that's for 10 gallons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could obviously add more more of the, the crystal malt um, is one way to do it. I, I mean, I wonder if some of it's just age. Hmm. Uh, just feels a little bit thin that way. But, um, you know, definitely add more crystal uh, add some carafoam or or uh, dextra malts as well would work. Um, generally, though, I don't know. I find the dark beers I don't have a problem a lot with with body, but that's that's me, not not you. Um, I felt like this this pH was really good in terms of. I mean, you know, the other answer obviously always is, uh, hey, you know, mess with your mash temperature and you know duration of mash and mash higher for shorter. Um, but what was, what was the OG again? I, I think I missed that. Did you mention that? or um... I didn't didn't mention it, and I don't have that note in front mm-hmm. of me. It turned out at about 6% in did the you, end. So did you say it, 10? I, I uh, forget where, it's, yeah, where it started at. It ended in the 10-10, you know, 10, 10, 10 okay. 12 or something like that. So. And for the yeast, did you say 10-58? Was it, or is it 10-56? <laughs> oh, probably 10-56. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the American, the American Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. I just, have some more residual sugars too. Use a different yeast strain, and you know, something English, uh, nineteen sixty-eight, something like that as well would would would, would give you the you know 
little, little different characters. Well, I mean, I'm surprised that it finished at 10, 10, 10. I'm not surprised by tasting it, but um, I don't know. I, I mean, I struggle to get It's got a little sweetness left to it, but yeah. yeah. I think the, the oats could thin out the body, too. I mean, if you want them there for a creaminess, it's kind of doing that, but um, they might be lightening up the body a little bit, too. Just a, mm. you know, source of carbs there, basically. <laughs> JP, you do you yes, do porters. What do you, what do you what do you think that recipe compared to what you're doing in porters? What do you what do you feel like? I know you don't like a, an entirely roasty porter either, and this is probably kind of yeah. Subtle. I mean, I I think the the specialty malts are are good. I think that those flavors are fine. You kind of threw me with the. I think it might just be the age playing into it also a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I do think it needs a little more more body. I definitely don't think it needs any more roast. Um, I think the porter recipe is, is, is fine. It just, like you guys said, it just needs a little tweak on the body there. And I think that's pretty much pretty much all. And I think that will help the chocolate. It will help the coffee a little bit. Um, it will kind of help everything stand up a little bit. Yeah, and the coffee, again, it would be stronger if you, yeah. I guess you could always re-steep, <laughs> add some more coffee to it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you probably didn't intend us, to, you know, intend people to be tasting this. How many months is it now? <laughs> yeah. Seven, eight, right. nine yeah. months later? I don't even know. I can't even count. Yeah, that's months, um, yeah, that's crazy, man. Did you brew the coffee yourself? I apologize if I asked that already. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So my wife right. Or did you a lot walk all the way down to Dunkin' Donuts? So I had her make some for it oh, so she made it you didn't make it so you just you you said that you made it yourself <laughs> yeah we actually, made it we made it at home here okay, yeah. okay. so it was, it was a joint joint <laughs> effort that's cool do you roast the coffee yourself <laughs> no it's okay. just store-bought coffee yeah, I thought there was a, let's not get too crazy i thought there was a big fire <laughs> yeah. i was thinking about getting yeah. a, a coffee roaster and i'm like and they were like reading the you know the instructions not the instructions but just sort of the recommendations like never leave your coffee roaster alone and i guess uh, yesterday down in san jose Someone left their coffee roaster alone, and the whole house just up in flames. Oh, and they're like, what? Oh, it wasn't a coffee gosh. pot. It was actually a coffee roaster that put the oh, house man. up on, in flames. I'm like, yeah, maybe I won't buy that coffee roaster. That yeah. I, get. Wow. So I don't feel like burning my place down uh, right now. Which one was it? Do you, do you know? Which, did the they, brand? No, they, yeah. they, they, <laughs> it was the news. It was the local news. I have, like, like the Nesco, where you can do, like, four ounces at a time. It has a catalytic like, converter, essentially, so uh-huh. it doesn't really smoke. Which is cool, but like some of those, like the Beemores, when you do like a pound, yeah. and that chafe, that paper can catch on fire, yeah. and it's uh, yeah, it's bad, man. Yeah. That's bad. Uh, well, John, do you have any questions for the um, for the homies here? I don't think so. And uh, to confirm, I'm pretty sure that probably was a Red Hook bottle that you're asking. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But no, thanks for the feedback. Cool. Yeah, of course, yeah. man. Yeah, it's a good beer, especially, uh, you know, like for, we said, yeah. for being so old and ancient yeah. even. Yeah, you can <laughs> pour a pint of it and, and, and drop just a little bit more coffee in there, too, and see if it if it pops back up to, to where it was. Dude, I, I have this uh, I Trader Joe's cool selling this uh, cold brew coffee extract that I really yeah. want to try in, 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 in a beer. And I think some beers like this that are maybe past its prime but still taste good. Just yeah. needs a little bit of like mm-hmm. a little bit of oomph. I think there's a market for some flavor additives and some things that you can do just to kind of keep it going. Like on Homebrewcon, we got the um, like the blood orange flavoring right, puree, yeah. the shelf stable puree. I'm sure you can get something not blood orange in this because I think that'd be that would be way odd. too bitter. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, why not, man? Yeah, or just send it to us. <laughs> All right, yeah. John, I appreciate it, man. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Yeah, Thanks, yeah. John. Thank you. All right, dude. Thank you. Later. <clears throat> 
All right. That was a cool beer. Yeah, it was. Would have liked to taste it about four months ago. <laughs> oh, my God, right? That would have been rad. <laughs> or so. That would have been rad. Uh, okay, let's take a break, and we're going to come back and talk with Nick about how to read a score sheet, because I have problems, of course, every friggin' time, and I'm not the only one, so I don't feel too crazy, uh, with my score sheets, and I don't know what to do about it. And well, yeah. uh, So hopefully Nick is going to help us kind of interpret some things and uh, let us know how he, you know, made it to, I think, kind of what we all want to make it to, right? Yeah, like, you know, how he knows how to brew beer to impress the judges, and yeah. that's... Um, Something you know, it, it, it people work hard at that to 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 do well in some of these big competitions because uh, you know you're working with different multiple levels in some of these competitions. Right. A lot of times, multiple experience levels and everything. So it's yeah, it's an art form. So yeah, we'll, we'll pick his brain a little bit. Exactly. All right. Uh, back after this, everyone. Stay tuned. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star solution. Visit fivestarchemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today are you a member of the white labs customer club if not you should be it's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch all you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast an exclusive white labs t-shirt or sweatshirt and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself chris white Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for sticking with us. Yeah. Before we get uh, before we get to calling Nick here. Actually, let me dial this. Let me dial this thing, and hopefully he stays on. Do you want to tell you guys about the iDip? Now, we hung out with the, with the guys at uh, iDip there at, um, at HomebrewCon. I like seeing those dudes. George is a good dude. And uh, you know, stoked about the iDip and and what uh, you know what we're we're doing to push that and and, and really, if you want to um, make the best beer, you have to start making the best water. And the Smart Brew Water Testing Kit incorporates a photometer system, which is the first and only one on the market with its own app. You can use it for home or commercial use. So you uh, people trying to go pro, this could be the first bit of homebrew kit that you buy, or, or not homebrew kit, but uh, professional. 
It's the only meter on the market that runs water tests with no math needed on your part. It pairs via Bluetooth and updates your water results instantly. It, uh, you can send it to the rest of your brewing team or post it to your Facebook page and let your homebrew club get the lowdown on your base water profile. It has the ability to test over 40 different water quality tests. Four come preloaded and more are available. You can test for stuff. Stuff like total alkalinity, chloride, calcium, hardness, pH, sulfate, and more with only four mils of water needed for each test. So you're not wasting a bunch of water. Uh, the Brewing Network special, they have a special for us because we are special and by proxy you're special. Uh, enter code TBN10 at checkout and save 10 bucks on either the standard or the advanced Smart Brew testing kit. Go to smartbrewkit.com. All right, we should have Nick Corona on the line. Nick, are you there? Yes, I am here. Hello, guys. Perfect. How you doing, hey, man? Hey, Nick. <laughs> hey, Nick. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Good. Yeah, good. How are you guys good. doing? Uh, not too bad, man. We're just uh, we're sitting uh, in air conditioning, which is uh, you know great first step, and then um, you know we're just drinking beer, dude. Yeah. That's fantastic. You guys are fortunate. Uh, I don't have air conditioning over here, but I do have beer, so that's nice. Yeah, one out of two, man. One out of two. (laughs) So do me a favor. uh, Talk to me a little bit about uh, what happened in 2016 in your brewing, and, um, you know, we can go from there. What happened? Well, 2016, uh, I guess it was uh, spurred on by uh, Mr. Keith Cost. Um, in uh, 2015, <laughs> I was fortunate enough to nobody. get to meet him, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got to meet him uh, at the NHC San Diego, and uh, he was he was really killing it. He still he obviously he he kills it all the time in competitions, and kind of spurred a little bit more of my competitive drive, and started trying to enter more competitions and try and step up my game a little bit. And I guess it uh, started to pay off in 2016. And then the shock of NHC came over and that was where I hit the, hit the best of show there. And all of a sudden I've got a home, I had the home brewer of the year title now, which is handed over, which is fantastic. But uh, yeah, just entered a bunch of competitions and really tried to step up, step up my brewing game as a whole. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm getting choked up very hearing cool. that story. It's very, <laughs> very so. Uh, uh, what do you feel was like the most important part of what you did to change up what you were doing, or you know, the the part that you really focused on that that paid off in dividends, as opposed to things that a lot of people might care about and, and, yeah, and don't. A, you know what I mean? A, it's, a, it's a good question because you know, on the show, uh, you know, uh, I'm assuming everybody knows because we're a highly popular show. But uh, you know, we judge homebrewers' beers. They send them in, and, and we sit here, and they can ask questions which is obviously not what you can do in a normal competition uh you know scenario um so i think it'd be good to chat with you a little bit about what brian just asked you what you did what you paid attention to uh and hopes that we can kind of you know pass that information along to our listeners right exactly and yeah you you hit the nail on the head with it with competitions i mean you the the, this is the great part of the show is that they're going to get instant feedback as opposed to having to kind of run the gamut of uh, what you're trying to experience in competitions where, you know, you're entering your beers, you're not quite sure exactly who is judging your beers. And there are some competitions where it's uh, it's kind of helter-skelter and it's hit and miss with, you know, what you can really put into that feedback that you're getting. But that was really a big part of it for me was trying to 
enter more than one competition, uh, get that feedback, and try to compile uh, some areas in my recipes that I'd actually be able to really focus on and improve on. But what I found is that as I started to get those res- or the, the score sheets back, I started to find the different aspects of my beers that I thought and assumed that I was focusing on, but I hadn't really put as much effort into it as I do now. And there's so many details when it comes to brewing. It's just yeah. such an incredible process. And calculations and knowing your equipment became something that I really started to focus and hone in on. And that's that's truly what, what really stepped up my game. When you say calculations, what do you mean? Just making sure that your uh, your your grain bill is accurate each time or or, or deeper than that? Getting to your, your, I, your water profile, trying to hit your exact mash pH that you want to a hundredth or something or what? <laughs> Fermentation yeah, temperature schedule. Exactly. Yeah, you're to say yes to all those. Yes, I yes, know. yes. Check, check. <laughs> yes, yes. All of all of the above. The water profile thing was that was one of the final frontiers for me. No. Um, I really started to get get uh, focused in on uh, specific water profiles for each category here in California. Uh, from everything I've been learning through um, a lot of a lot of people in my home brew pub, which has been fantastic, and getting that knowledge from them as well. We're drawing from different sources throughout the year, so you can't really yeah. just send your stuff off to Ward Labs and just count on that. So you, uh, I moved to RO, and I started developing my own water profiles and specifically adding back salts, and I used uh, Brungard's uh, Brewing Water Calculator, really trying to get that aspect of it down. But one of the funny things is that I hadn't really even been paying too close attention to my cell counts on mm-hmm. yeast. and. That was one of the things that I took for granted. You know, when you first get your first home brew kit in the mail, they send you one yeast pack, and you don't right. even look at the date, and you figure this is for five gallons. I put it in, and I'm going to have beer when I'm done. So right. that was one of the things that I really started. <laughs> just didn't take off. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So that was one of the things that I really started to focus in on. And I'm fortunate that I've got white lads here so close, so... Uh, for the most part, I can normally grab some fresh vials, but even if not, I step it up and get a better understanding of it through yeast, man, and that, that's really helped out as well. But I'm, obviously, you guys, you guys just instantly hit on a number of things that that happened that year that I really started to focus on. So, what, what motivated you to do those things, Nick? And, and first of all, you're you're being way too kind. When I met you, you were already you know you served me some beers. The first time I met you, they were already great beers. So, um, you were already there, you know, on the path, if not already there. But what what you know? How did you go the extra mile? Was it talking to people in the club? Was it you know getting feedback entering competitions where they were like, hey, your water seems a little bit harsh, hard in this beer. Like, what was the, the for each of them, the impetus to make sure I get the yeast right, to make sure I have the water profile right, to make sure I'm doing the other things that I need to do just to sort of step up my game a little bit more. What? How did you do that for each of those steps? I mean, how did you learn that? And, and was it reading on the internet as well? But, you know, but I'll let you answer instead of uh, adding conjecture. Guessing, yeah, yeah. guessing all the answers and you can just pick one. <laughs> A, B, C, D, or e. Yeah, yeah, what you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect. No, Thrilling. No, no, it was uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a combination of all of those things. It really was. Um, I, I have to be perfectly honest with you. My building building confidence through the brewing process is important. It's extremely important. And as you're making going from one recipe to another, 
I, I still found myself questioning whether or not I, I had a good comprehension of what I was doing. And so to kind of bounce those beers off of some of the more educated palates that we had that I, that I was able to draw from, and, and, and that's, that's luxury that I have. And you guys know what kind of luxury that is, and, and that's, that's what's so great about, that was what was so fantastic about meeting Keith, you know, an experienced palette like that is such a luxury and something that I really wanted to draw on. So I started to really rely on some people that I could try and find who had those palettes, who could discern any issues with my beers and share that feedback with me to where I could kind of go back to the drawing board and pick things up from the start and say, okay, here's what they're, here's what they're experiencing. And I needed to find out what I need to do to fix that. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I drew on anything I could. I mean, I get on the Internet. I do searches. We're so fortunate. I mean, we are so fortunate. I look back at some of the people who have come before us, and I can't imagine. I could not imagine homebrewing without having Google, without <laughs> having all the of the forms The dark ages of 1992. Have. How did they do it? How did they make beer? Right. It's It's... It's so awesome to think that they were setting that foundation for everything that's happening now and just everything that they went through without being able to instantly draw from, you know, all of that knowledge. So I really, I really definitely take my hats off to everyone else that came before. So, you know, they've, they've, been, they've been integral in a lot of the homebrewer success that's going on right now, and that's what I've been yeah. trying to just draw from. So beyond uh, beer score sheets and, and individual people that have influenced you along the way, have you ever gone through any um, homebrew judge training? I don't know if you're you're a judge or not yourself. I am not. I'm not yeah. a judge. Okay. I've been for the past year. I've been attending uh, BJCP 101 classes yeah. as consistently as I can, which is probably about once a month. Awesome. But the reason I'm not a judge at this point, and it's it might be a little weak, but I work on the weekends. I work in a casino, oh, yeah. so I work on the weekends. Yeah, if you don't at least so, have some free time, to, it, it's hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a tough time keeping up my points, but I'm definitely pursuing those BJCP 101 classes, which is something that my home brew club threw together here, and uh, it's it, we've been really fortunate to attend those classes. They go over a, a different category each each time, and it's really helped, it's really helped me develop confidence in my palate as well. Yeah, I found that for myself, just going through the whole the BJCP training courses was a, a big a big step in my my beer education along the way and uh, you know I, I was maybe a little haphazard early on and enthusiastic and i became more careful and um you know l- you know learned what a judge is looking for and you kind of start to think like a judge when you when you go through that training and and you know lead some you know start leading some classes even and yeah, we brought up a bunch of good judges in our club, but it was yeah, it was a real, real eye opener. Some people say, "Oh, if you become a beer judge, will you just like be so picky that you just hate all you know all beers after that, or you, can you still just enjoy beer for beer?" And I still, you know, I have to say, I still enjoy it for yeah. for what it is and the balance of a well crafted beer. It's not hard to find one these days, so you, you sure know, with that? Uh, you're not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it also helps you do a couple of things. Once one is identify flaws, and if they're in your yeah. own beer or just other beers, even if you never have an acid aldehyde problem you can now know what it tastes like so if you're at a homebrew club meeting you're or at the conference or whatever and someone gives you a beer and you're like huh that seems off i'm not sure what that is if you have a little bit of 
little bit of uh, training, then you get you know you can sort of figure that out or diacetyl or whatever. Yeah. And others, it sort of educates you about styles as well, and you get to taste commercial. You know, commercial examples of, say, a Belgian Golden Strong, which, you know, Nick, obviously, I know you know about now, um, winning, you know, winning again a, a medal in in that style uh, this year. Not, you know, not not again, but winning this year in in the NHC yeah. a, a, again. Um, but you know, you have to learn these styles, and it's it's, 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 it's that's a good foundation for. Hey, I want to brew something. Um, I can read everything about what it's supposed to be like, but when I'm done with it. Do I know what it really is? Is this what it's supposed to be? And I'm sure you can go to the store and find one, but having you know having a class that usually present all the styles to you and you get a chance to taste them, and then you're like, hey, did what I just make taste like what I had in class? Oh yeah, it, it, exactly. It tastes like Duval. Let me send it off to the a competition and, and see what other people say about it. So I think that helps as well to sort of identify, you know, am I making things that taste like you know commercial examples? What people are expecting when they're judging uh, judging my beer. Yeah, no, I, I think you're probably yeah. uh, um, also just of the winners this year. I think you're probably the second most recognizable because people saw the even people that didn't go. They saw the pictures of the of Sangjae Park from, you know, came up from South Korea. And that guy's enthusiasm was just contagious. Yeah. And but then like, your, so yours was memorable. So and I was sitting with you guys, you know, kind of sitting behind because uh, none, none of my club members went, sadly. But so I was kind of living vicariously through the quad people. <laughs> uh, we we're passing the beers around there. I would, I would still keep that with us, by the way. And they called the yeah, they they called the other beers and then they called your name. You know, and, and you raised up that picture of your co-brewer there. <laughs> Oh, that was you. Okay, that was awesome. him. <laughs> so people know him. Cool. Yeah, I was. I was the co-brewer. There was it's oh. a funny story oh, with okay. that whole thing. Yeah, tell but, us the story. Yeah, I was the co-brewer with that, and but my the the whole goal from the start has been to open our own brewery, which so many people have aspirations to do, uh-huh. and that was the whole goal from the start. So unfortunately, it was uh, I was a victim of um, a, a few snide remarks. You know, I'm brewing, I'm working, and. As you guys know, it takes a lot of work, and sometimes you get a little grouchy when you're cleaning. And I'll find myself saying little things like, "No, no, 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 you got to just just leave that there, leave that there." Right. <laughs> Next thing you know, she understands obviously that she's going to be a part of this. She's going to if our family's going to open a brewery, hopefully in the future, then she's going to be a part of this. So finally, she says, "You know what? I I need to figure this out. I want to brew." That's well, cool. I had. A choice, and the choice was either I can throw her out in my garage by herself and uh, let her figure it out, or help her. And unfortunately, I helped her. So um, I took on the I took on the co-brewer role, and uh, you you saw what happened this year, and it was it was it was it was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome, and I I brought that picture, and she had no idea I brought that picture, <laughs> and I had no idea I had no idea that I was even going to be able to use the picture, but. Right. Uh, but you yeah, it. it was there. It was sitting in my backpack, and it's ready to go. <laughs> so is, is she going, is Candy going to the conference next year instead of you, and you have to stay home, and she'll bring a picture of, of your giant head to the uh, conference <laughs> just, just in case? She should just bring the same picture, just of herself. That would be Thank, great. Yeah. Thankfully, she doesn't. She doesn't geek out as hard as I do on beer, so um, I think I might be safe with that. She has been, unfortunately, rubbing the metal in my face uh, for the past month, so uh, that kind of sucks, but well, I think she's going to let too. me put it in the garage then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let me ask you a, a, a question, Nick. Um, with regards to score sheets, um, how do you... 
find the feedback from score sheets uh, as as propelling a propellant, I guess, an accelerant to to making better beer? Do you find kind of overall the state of of judging is is good, is healthy? Are, are are you getting good feedback, or are you like me and super cynical and everything? <laughs> every remark you get is like an affront to your personal well being. <laughs> Okay, so I can fully empathize, fully <laughs> empathize with, yeah. with what you put into words, yeah. and I respect that, and I just don't have that ability because I play the devil's advocate in my mind, and I stop, and I think, okay, take it easy, Nate. <laughs> He's not making a personal attack on you. He's judging your beer. But seriously, when I get my score sheets back, yes, I think any artist, any home brewer, anyone who puts a lot of work and effort into something has a personal attachment to it. And that's that's normal. I think that's absolutely human. It's human to do that. Oh yeah. I've had to I've had to I've had to really get to a point to where I disassociate myself with that and I have had to say, Hey, you know what? Try to take everything with a grain of salt because you're gonna get those score sheets sometime that it's just not accurate about your beer, but then you're going to get those score sheets where it is accurate. And that's where I've talked to so many people about entering competitions when they haven't entered competitions. And I've explained to them that, look, that's the best way for you to improve. You need to get some honest feedback because your mom and your dad, they're always going to love your beer. <laughs> right. True. But when you, when you enter it in the competition, people are trying to give you a good anonymous feedback. And the reason that I say trying is because sometimes you don't know who that person is on the other end. And periodically you're going to get something that might not be accurate. And that's where I said follow that up with, you know what, you also need to enter that same beer in a few competitions in order to just see if there are similarities in some of the off flavors that they're citing in your beer. Because if you start to notice a few of the same a few of the same comments being made, then there's an issue and you need to address it. And the last thing I would want, I had a guy come up to me um, at San Diego Fair, a friend of mine, and told me a story about his father-in-law who had entered one competition, just started brewing, entered one competition, got a score sheet back that said nasty on it. Wow. Jeez. Never brewed again. Never brewed again. One word, nasty. And never brewed again. And that's a very sad story. So I know nothing like that would ever come from the certified judges yeah. that we have out there. But at the right. same time, it kind of goes along with that. You need to enter in a couple competitions and compile those results. Yeah, the judging philosophy that you get when you're, when you're going through the training and reading the study guide is, you know, you always you always want to stay towards the positive side. You know, find something nice to say about the beer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but also I'm kind of glad that that guy's not brewing nasty beer out there. Don't, so. um, yeah, I mean, don't sugarcoat <laughs> it. But if, it's, if there's something wrong with it, just say specifically what it is and how to fix it, and, yeah. you know, in an objective way as possible. I, mean, I guess it's one of those things. Like, I, I was thinking, like, when we were talking about this, like, if you get a score sheet that you score really well, you, know, you score really high, a score of 40 or 42 and you come in first, generally you're not like, well, that person sucks at judging. You're just kind of like, oh, yeah, they're right. But in some ways, though, if you've got a score sheet like that and they have a couple of words like this is great beer and that's all they put on there, you're still like you have to question, do they really understand beer? Do they really judge it well? So I think really the important part is like, you know, having a lot, you know, having a lot of feedback you obviously want it to be something that you sort of relate to or you understand like you know hey I, I tasted this they taste it if it's something you don't taste at all and you pour it again you're like well maybe that was just the bottle 
great, great advice to enter multiple competitions to see if that's coming through. Maybe there's something going on with your bottling, you know, and stuff like that. But I think, you know, a lot of times we, you know, if it's positive, we're like, hey, that person's a great judge. And if it's negative, they're a bad judge. But there is something to be said when someone's only putting one or two words down that that person is not a very not a very good judge first of all because they're not giving you good feedback and and I guess that's one of the tough parts about the the checks the check list score sheets is mm-hmm. they always end up kind of being like that there's not a lot of information there that you can actually use but they're mostly using competitions where you're not necessarily looking for feedback they're kind of like the the end game where you're just looking to, to advance and, and win and it's not like hey I don't want to know how I'm doing <laughs> I just want to I just want to move on at this point yeah just picking out the best best beers out of your flight and moving them on yeah, that's about it but i mean for the most part nick are you are you do you look at score sheets as providing you appropriate feedback just in general like on a whole yeah it, at, <laughs> at this point now that i feel like i've got my process down i feel like i've got most of most of the aspects of my beer down i'm looking for more nuances uh, okay. in, in the score sheets but you know, if that's not to say that every once in a while you incorporate a new process into into what you're doing, and it, if it picks something up that maybe you didn't have before in, in the process, it could be just a simple equipment change or something that you're doing. Uh, yeah, it's still going to be valuable if they're if they're citing something major that's going on. What do you What do you mean by nuances? What do you What are you looking for in your feedback now at, at your level? Well, in, in various in various styles, if you're not getting enough roastiness, maybe you're um, maybe maybe you're trying to perfect one of your recipes. Where you know IPA has always been obviously one of the more popular categories. So I'm really trying to trying to hit on a really great IPA recipe. So I want to see what certain judges are picking up in those beers that I'm putting out, in the different hop profiles that I'm putting out, and the different hops, hops that I'm uh, that I'm putting together for those beers. Um, just just the, the more subtle nuances. I think mm-hmm. when you first start out, you're you know you're gonna you're gonna have feedback sometimes for acetaldehyde. You're gonna have diacetyl, and you might have oxidation issues, and those are a little bit more major issues that you can go back and you can say, oh, okay, it's because I'm using just a standard siphon to put out my beers. I'll change that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transfer under pressure. I mean, those, those are things that I feel like I've got down now in my process. But I think that kind of feedback when you first get going and you first start entering competitions, that's the kind of thing that can take you from you know getting uh, high 29s or low 30s to start pumping it up to the high 30s and, and start showing up in the in the metal <clears throat> yeah okay very good yeah uh, i think one thing you know i wanted to say too as a part of this you know coming off of that is yeah. you kind of learn how to not just ignore but like to weed out the bad score sheets you get two two score sheets and you don't just oh well this guy liked my beer and the other guy didn't i mean you can kind of tell which one knows their ass from a hole in the ground if if there's you know two score sheets that are just varying wildly from one another you know um and 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 one guy's giving consistently you know solid feedback and thorough feedback even sometimes the lower lower rank judge of the two you know but um yeah another thing uh you know you just kind of weed out the ones that 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 don't make sense, and uh, and and take what you can from the better of the score sheets, 
And, um, yeah, I think that's a good way to, to look at it, too. Yeah. My problem this year was that yeah. I, I yeah. had score sheets in the finals that contradicted each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, like on the – no, they, the, the judge See, would that, contradict themselves. That's the tough part. In the yeah. same – he would say not roasty enough and then uh, too roasty or I like the roast level or something like that. And it's like, well – you know, and then you gave me a twenty-eight. One you, guy says high sweetness; the other says no sweetness. It's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. insane. It's insane. And um, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And that's the frustration sometimes that goes along with it. It absolutely is. It's very frustrating. And when you're when you're trying to when you're trying to kick up your your recipes and you're trying to and and you feeling good about your beer, your beer has done good in the past. When you get something like that, it definitely is a head-scratcher. But that's yeah. what makes the judging position so difficult. And I don't envy any of those judges. I've, I have judged. I've, I've volunteered to, to steward, got kicked up to judge. And it's not an easy thing, especially when you understand from the homebrew side of it how much work people put into it and that all of a sudden it's a big deal. Then that's actually a good place for you to be. I think, unfortunately, every once in a while people get recruited who don't understand that this is important. This That's is true. very yeah. important for you to defer to the more experienced judge. If yeah. you, if you're, they always pair you up with a more experienced judge if you're the newbie. So I think it's really important from those aspects, maybe to have a little pre-judging talk from the more experienced judge and just let them know, hey, you know, if you're if you're picking something up, you go ahead and do your score sheet, but share it with me afterwards, and and we'll talk about it. But right. I know I know that there's sometimes some personality clashes at those judging tables. So who knows how that factors in? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Sometimes you'll just be like, well, let's just meet in the middle then, and that's not necessarily always right. the best thing to do because the one person may know what's really going on and the other person may not, and that kind of screws things up a little bit. And I just yeah. want to throw out the one thing that, that frustrates me the most about judging is when I. I send something in, and then like after I send it, I'm like, oh, no, this beer has this flaw. And then you're waiting to get the score sheet back to say, yeah, that, that flaw is there. And you get it back, and they're like, they don't mention the flaw at all. You're just like, ah, am I going crazy or what? Like, what? like is the flaw really there? Like, you know, I, I, I hate that. That's like I'm just looking for validation that I, I what I'm tasting is really there. Yeah. And, you, you know, you're eight bucks, it. and you want to get the feedback. <laughs> right, right. All right, exactly. Nick, we're going to let you go, man. But I appreciate you spending a little bit of time here on a Thursday. Day to chat with us and uh, talk about yeah, beer, man. It was nice meeting you in Minneapolis there too, and uh, putting a face to the name. But because uh, Keith always complains about you, you know. But, um, uh, well, I've complained about him much longer, so now he's a little face of it. Thank goodness he had a kid. Yeah, best of luck to you in all your brewing endeavors and and judging endeavors in the future, and, and your brewery as well. Thanks for all the kind words, Nick. Uh, take it easy. Thank you very much, guys. It was an honor. Thanks right, for being Nick. on. Later, man. Bye. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I met him over in Minneapolis there. And he, we were just like hanging out the night before, you know, he won his, his uh, ribbon there. But we didn't even talk about his recipe, but yeah. <laughs> we didn't have time. It was just it's more fine. philosophy is, is kind of a fun thing That's really to what go we're through doing for me. That. That's really what we were so, doing. With it. Um, so thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This has been Dr. Homebrew. Um, I guess we have a prize to give away, the Grog Tag $40 gift certificate. I think John wins that. And that'll go to John. That'll go to John. And then um, I think we also have a beer bug to give away this week. Hmm. And that'll go to John also. So, John is the winner. John, he sent us beer. You won everything, dude. What do you think about that? <laughs> 
Uh, thank you very much to Five Star, to all of our sponsors for keeping us on the air and supporting amazing, amazing podcast internet broadcasts like this one. The most popular internet beer judging radio show <laughs> in the universe. In the history of the universe. All right, everyone. Um, if you're listening live, and of course, why wouldn't you be? We're going to be uh, take about a 15, 20 minute break and then we'll come back. Um, otherwise, if you're listening on the podcast, internet broadcast, just hit next on the old player there. Anyway, this has been Dr. Homebrew. Thanks a lot.